Rogers scrambles He's left, winds up, runs the ball. He's got time at the 10 to the 5. Yes. To the end zone. Touchdown. And a dagger. Giannis into the lane. Giannis spinning. Fading shot. Up. Gone for Giannis at the buzzer. Bucks win it. Brewer fans, welcome to the Brewers Trilogy podcast presented by the Wisconsin Sports Trilogy, the podcast for not only them diehard baseball fans, but also for those fans enjoy cheering for a team that revolves around beer. I'm Tyler, aka T Plush, your host for the show. I'm a contributor at Reviewing the Brew, and I am joined with my good buddy Trevor, aka Sunshine Bender, who can be found on Twitter at Bender underscore Trevor. And of course, you can follow the podcast on Twitter at Trilogy underscore pod, where we tweet a lot about the Bucks, Brewers, and Packers. Today, we're here to recap the trade that happened last week, where the Brewers dealt Zach Davies and Trent Grisham to the Padres in exchange for Eric Lauer, Luis Urias, and a player to be named later. So before we get into all that, Trevor, how are you doing on this fine day? I'm doing pretty good. Can't complain too much. I mean, we are recording this before the Packer game, so I have no disappointment as of yet. I'm not expecting any, but, you know, pretty good as of right now. I'll knock on wood for you. <laughs> Don't want to jinx anything and get blamed for a... We're not, I'm not going to talk about the Packers losing. But <laughs> today we'll go right into that trade. So it's a very interesting trade. I mean... The Brewers trade two players with MLB experience. Granted, Trent Grisham doesn't have like a full season under his belt, but they get in exchange from the Padres, uh, Luis Urias, who has some experience in the majors, not a ton, but then looking at Eric Lauer, he has logged over 260 innings as a pitcher. So it's a rare swap of MLB players in a trade where the teams kind of get needs. I mean, the Brewers uncrowd the outfield a little bit, seeing Trent Grisham go. They don't have to pay Zach Davies the $5 million arbitration that he was most likely going to get. So the Brewers save money, and then they also fill that hole of potentially who might play shortstop or at least get competition in at shortstop. And then Eric Lauer is obviously a lefty who's a lot cheaper than Zach Davies. Not quite as good stats, but still, when you're from a small market, I think you'll take the chance on them. So what are your overall thoughts of the trade, Trevor? Well, I really think that the Davies for Lauer is not much of a difference for me. Um, I mean, his stats were not great last year. 149, almost 150 innings pitched. He had a 4.45 ERA. Davies was a lot better this past year, but also Davies can be really good or he can be really terrible. So I think it's kind of a wash there. And then like Tyler said, it was a lot about need and the other two uh, players in this trade. Uncrowding that outfield is going to be important. I think that's why they did it. It sucks to see Grisham go because he was so, he was electric. He was great to watch both in the field, at the plate. He really was 
a good up-and-coming player, and I was excited to watch him kind of transition into getting a full-time starter role, maybe kind of taking over Braun, and then Braun's just kind of in and out of the lineup a little bit more often. But now kind of opens up the door for Ben Gamble. It's going to make Ryan Braun still play 100 games or so, 120 games. So that is interesting, and I think getting him out kind of opens up the door for other players as well, but also getting someone in to at least challenge Orlando Arcia is going to be a good idea. Lewis is, he's got a lot of, lot, a lot of potential. Like Tyler said, he hasn't played a ton in the MLB yet, so I'm not even going to really mention his like batting average. It hasn't been good, but he just hasn't had a lot of time, so we have to wait on that. But I'm I'm excited for him. I think there's a ton of potential there. And it really, like I said, it really pushes Arcia for that shortstop role. And the fact, even the thought of having our middle infielder infield short up for the next, I think Lewis is under team control for like six years. So the fact that we could have our middle infielder, middle infield all good to go and good players, that, that is exciting to know. Yeah, I think the trade, like you talked about Grisham, yeah, I was high on him as just about as much as anybody, especially when he first came onto the scene, but you never know how his 2020 season would have went, so I think they really kind of maximized the potential out of him, and Luis Urias, who we've been talking about, was a top 16th prospect in all of baseball uh, entering last year, so you're definitely getting some bang for your buck out of the production that Trent Grisham was able to give last year. So you've been mentioning a lot about the competition at shortstop and whatnot. And yeah, I think it's definitely going to be interesting to see how the Brewers decide to do that if they do indeed end up keeping Orlando Arcia, in which the the tender deadline is on December 2nd, so Monday. So as you're listening to this, we'll know if Arcia is getting a contract or not. But I think offensively, Arias has the potential to be a lot better option. In the minors, in specifically to AAA, he's had a tremendous career. In 887 plate appearances, he's slashing 305, 403, and then 522 for slugging. So that's just insane. And then it obviously drops off. He's got about 300-ish plate appearances in the MLB, and his numbers go down to 221 average, 318 on base, and then 331 slugging. So definitely that increased competition he's struggling with a little bit. But I think there's there's an upside in the fact that this guy doesn't strike out. Orlando Arcia strikes out a lot. Urias in the MLB has struck out on 20% of his at-bats. So he makes pretty good contact. It's just the fact his contact isn't necessarily the best. The MLB average in barrel percentage is 6. Urias is down to 4. The MLB average in hard hit percentage is 34.5. Urias is at 29.8. So everything there is just a little bit down. And then you take into effect every single one of his plate appearances, so minors included, and he hits the ball on the ground 51% of the time. So primarily a ground ball hitter, and it's not very good contact. So when he does get outs, obviously the outs are, they're kind of easy outs to put it nicely. And then looking at the defensive side of things, Arias played a lot of second base throughout the minors, but he did play a good amount of shortstop. In fact, in just 41 games, he had nine errors last year. So that's 
not very encouraging and doesn't give me a whole lot of confidence in the fact that we could have Urias and Hayera um, in the infield, who are both pretty air-prone, to say the least. So what are your thoughts on that so far? Well, that obviously doesn't sound encouraging to have <laughs> two players that really need to be good defensively for you, for any team, and you're going to have them be kind of arrow-prone players. Hopefully, they're both extremely young yet, so hopefully they can figure it out whole offseason at the major league level with the Brewers. Hopefully that helps. I just I think there's a lot of potential, and you're going to have to live with the growing pains of a young player. That's just what is going to happen. There's going to be some of those, but I think it isn't very encouraging, even though he's not getting great contact, that he still gets contact. And having that, I think, is going to be very important moving along. And even if he's at the eighth spot in the order, if he's just getting contact, that's, like you said, it's more than what Orlando Arcia is currently doing at the plate. So maybe they're going to focus on the launch angle with him and just try to barrel up a few more balls a little bit more often maybe and and then if you get him going with the launch angle and maybe he starts getting a few more in the air not so many on the ground and in Miller Park you never know what that'll do for a player that's true and like Trevor mentioned six years of club control with this guy he doesn't become arbitration eligible until 2023 of course that's a little bit depending on uh, service time and whatnot if he would end up being a Super 2, all that would have to play out in years to come. But either way, you're going to get a lot of cheap cheap control out of him no matter when he becomes arbitration eligible. So we get to kind of watch him grow, and at least in the meantime, looks like he's going to challenge, if not maybe even be the starting shortstop for next year. But obviously we'll just have to wait and see how the offseason shakes out in that regard. Switching over to Eric Lauer. So he's a, a lefty acquired. He was a former first-round pick in 2016. Trevor mentioned a few of his stats earlier, but in his 260 MLB innings, he has a 4.4 ERA. He started 29 games last year, so pretty durable. And then in terms of kind of what kind of pitcher he is, I mean, he strikes batters out at 8.2 Ks per nine clip, which is nothing outstanding, but it's definitely a little bit higher than what Zach Davies was dishing out. And then he tends to generate a lot of fly balls. He gives up 1.20 home runs per nine innings. So the home run ball can tend to plague him a little bit, which obviously is not good thinking in the hitter-friendly ballpark in Miller Park. So what are your first initial thoughts on Eric Lauer, Trevor? Honestly, like I said earlier, I think what he brings as being a younger player than Zach Davies and hopefully some potential along with that. Hopefully that we see a little bit more from him and a little bit more growth because I think Zach Davies is who he is at this point in his career. So that's one thing that I'm looking forward to. Obviously getting a lefty in is going to be good. One thing I did want to mention, looking at baseball reference, they have field independent pitching, which is basically just pitching for a player and that's ERA minus anything out of their control. 
he was expected to have that 4.23 ERA this past season, and he had a 4.45. So that tells me he was pitching a little bit better than his ERA. Now, typically those things kind of even out throughout time. And in 2018, he had a 4.34 ERA, and his FIP was 4.5. So over time, they kind of average out. But something to keep an eye on, he did pitch better in... 2019 than those ERA numbers not a lot better but just something to keep in mind and hopefully he's able to kind of keep the home runs down especially moving into Miller Park with which like Tyler said is going to be a big concern for him yeah and it's not like Craig Council is going to tell Eric Lauer to go I want you to pitch seven eight innings every time I mean I'm assuming we're going to use our bullpen how we have under the council era and that's you know you need to go at least five that's the goal And last year, only 10 out of his 29 starts failed to go five innings. And most of those occurred after the All-Star break. So we talk about growth. And, you know, for a guy who's just a couple years into the major leagues, you kind of get burned out. And you're pitching a lot more. You're traveling a lot more. And that's typically, as you get a little bit older, something that you don't see as players kind of burn out towards the end of the year. So... That's at least encouraging because he did go seven innings three times in 2019. And again, most of those were early on in the season. So he's got the potential there to lock down some additional innings than what would be expected of him. For his pitch repertoire, he's kind of like a, a low 90s fastball guy. He might get up to 95 on occasion, but it's not going to throw that consistently throughout a start. Uses that fastball 52% of the time. Second pitch that he uses is a high 80s cutter, around 20% for that, and then a curveball in the high 70s, around 17%. He does have the capabilities to throw a changeup and a slider. He just doesn't use them as much as the fastball cutter and curve. And, you know, in terms of, like, break, his curveball's in the bottom third of the league in spin rate, so it's not, like, a huge breaker at all. Obviously, mentioned the fastball velocity. It's, he's in the bottom 20th percentile for that. But I think the interesting parts with him comes in terms of how well hitters are barreling up on him or making hard contact. So Lauer last year was in the bottom 19th percentile in exit velocity and then bottom 25% in hard hit percentage. So that kind of tells you that hitters are making generally good contact. And those stats were from Baseball Savant. And when you switch over to fan graphs, In his two seasons in the major leagues, hitters have a 40% hard hit percentage against him, 42% medium, and only 17.2% soft contact. So I think he's kind of a, obviously he's a pitch to contact guy with only 8.2 Ks per nine. And when hitters hit him, the defense has got to be on their toes. So there's not going to be a lot of routine plays. And we talked about his ERA and his XFIP and, now going to pitch primarily at Miller Park as compared to San Diego, it'll be kind of interesting to see how well the defense responds and if more balls fly out and kind of what kind of season he has with the Brewers this year. One thing to remember is Zach Davies is a very similar type of pitcher in terms of they have to use their defense to get the outs. They're not going to strike out a ton of players and be overpowering that way. So from from that perspective, I think it's very similar in terms of what to expect as a defense, whether it's Zach Davies or Eric Lauer out on the mound. And I had this defense is always on their toes. They're always shifting around, uh, trying to get in the best 
possible situations for the pitchers. So, I don't know. Someone on Twitter tweeted out the other day, kind of reminds him of Chris Narvison. So, I'm not going to go that far for comparison, but it's been a while since the Brewers have had a lefty starter. So, excited to see that if he does indeed win a starting job to start uh, 2020. Other news around the MLB, Drew Pomeranz unfortunately signed on the same day as this trade, actually, with the Padres. So he's getting about 8 or 9 mil a year for four years. I think it's $34 million guaranteed. So I think that was obviously a little bit above the Brewers' price range. I would not have been happy with this, him signing for the Brewers for that much, um, my take on it. And then... The Nationals re-signed Ian Gomes at catcher for two years, $10 million, which is kind of a bummer because that's, you know, obviously $5 million a year on average, and I thought that's a pretty affordable contract that the Brewers could have looked into, but obviously coming off a World Series win and a successful platoon, Ian Gomes I don't think wants to change scenery at all, so that plays a factor in it as well. Any comments on those signings, Trevor, or anything else you have seen around the league so far? Not really. Other, I agree with you. I don't think the Brewers should have brought back Drew Pomerantz for that number. It would have been nice to have him back, but like I said, not, not for that number. Other than that, I'm waiting for a big domino to fall for the Brewers. Something's got to happen with all this money they're saving um, with this trade, with not re-signing Yaz. There's got to be something in the works, and I'm interested to see what David Stearns has in mind. Uh, <coughs> Garrett Cole. <laughs> or Anthony Rendon. <laughs> yeah, we can all hope and dream. <laughs> it's, to have like another elite superstar on the, on the Brewers would be incredible. But I don't know. Maybe this is the year the Brewers go after pitching. We'll see. Obviously, I mentioned the... The non-tender date is 12-2, so Monday the 2nd, as this podcast is coming out, by the end of the day, we will know which brewers are at least offered a contract or not. And then winter meetings start the following Monday after that, so the 9th, I believe, is when the owners all get together. We've already seen the brewers make a couple trades, but, I mean, who knows? If they're not going to sign a superstar, maybe they trade for a superstar, there's been a lot of speculation, at least in the Brewer Twitterverse, of reasons why to trade Josh Hader, which we might dive into later this week, just to see, you know, what the benefit of that could be. But until there is more news, we'll recap uh, what happens at the non-tender deadline, and of course, any news as it comes out. So we will catch you next time. This is the Brewer's Trilogy Podcast, and peace out. In Stearns We Trust.